Today we are talking to Rabbi Amihai Cohen, the director of Live Kabbalah from Tzfat, Israel. We will explore happiness through the perspective of healing transgenerational trauma, and I'm so looking forward to this chat. Hello, Amihai, and very welcome to our podcast. I'm happy to be here. It's a pleasure. Wonderful. Let's start by finding out a little bit about you. Who are you and how is your life so far? Um, what are you doing these days? Well, I uh, I was born in Jerusalem, Israel, um, uh, 45 plus years ago. And um, my family has traveled to the U.S., lived in the U.S. in various states, going back to Israel. Um, to make a long story short, by the eight, by eighth grade, I was in five elementary schools. And um, I have seen a tremendous um, amount of different types of cultures, different types of uh, languages. And um, and to be honest, you know, it, it was not easy. You know, it was not easy. And then going into uh, a high school, never really fully fitting in in terms of the exact type of pe- person that was there. And that really caused me to have a, always to have a deep quest um, of searching and searching, you know, uh, deeply, you know, if it's philosophically or if it's uh, psychologically or if it's uh, in culture and in, in music and art or, or whatever. And um I came on a spiritual exploration after high school uh, to Israel, where I uh, I was studying in a seminary in a, in a um, post high school type of a um, Torah uh, experience, and um, I felt like I needed to explore, and I felt like I needed to go out of the the confinements, the box of, and to go and explore and what i what i did is actually i i arrived up to the north of israel um in the beautiful city that i live in currently which is tzfat and i kind of fell fell in love with with the city back then um i spent um some time then being a shepherd in nature um in the in the galilee lower galilee mountains um, and that was a very big spiritual awakening that I could say I truly had, you know, in reading the Bible and reading, you know, the feeling the history literally underneath my my feet in the land um, was something incredibly, still is incredibly powerful. Um, and then my parents summoned me back to New York, where I'm from, uh, to get on with life and to to go to college. And uh, I remember the experience of, of standing in Penn Station, a big, you know, hustle bustle of New York City that right there in the middle of Manhattan. And I'm there on a train. I don't know where I, where exactly the destination was, but I remember standing there with my kind of uh, clothing of being back in, you know, in the, in, you know, as a shepherd here and, you know, having this, freestyle um kind of uh, awakening there in new york city and to be honest there was a a, there was a a huge breaking that that i had 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, event, I, I went through a, a time of really trying to grapple with this experience. This is at the age of 20 and trying to figure out my, my life because my parents' background, uh, my parents are very, um, work oriented. And in fact, you know, on the verge, one of them on the verge of narcissism or is. Um, having not known that, basically, um, they threw me in the mental ward. Where, you know, right now we're reading about the story of Joseph. And I remember like that feeling of like, you know, your own family throws you in. And um, not being able to help you and not being able to especially, you know, when my father is, is in the mental health sort of field. Um, but because of, you know, that's his field and it's not really who he is. He's not necessarily fixed. He just does the job of mental health, but he himself is not there. And he's, uh, you know, being a, a not being aware of the narcissistic abuse that really happens. Um, I really, I realized that more than ever, I had to turn deeper and turn into a a state of God, basically, and having this connection beyond the spiritual connection. So before I was having an awakening and it was fun and I, I was a shepherd and I was, you know, it was like a rolling across and it's, and it's, and it's great. It's beautiful. But then New York City comes and the exact opposite happens. And then then there's a, a breaking. And that's when really the, the, the true spiritual awakening really happens because now it's about work. And ever since then, I've been working. You know, I'm still working in every single moment is 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 work that uh that we constantly do to uncover and to become more conscious more aware more um more compassionate more just aware of what our true triggers are and i've found that in the teachings of of kabbalah really the answers and really for me that was the solution um and uh yeah and so there's there's the story really gets interesting when we get to america but uh i feel like i'm i'm talking and uh, i want to i want to hear from you yeah that sounds very interesting and thank you so much for sharing your own experience because what what you're bringing here is your raw experience your lived experience and you're you're talking about how you experience being in the family environments and having that kind of pressure from the family exerted on you to go through education and to come back into the world and and fight for yourself based on the standards of our modern world achieve a lot and do something with your life as it it was expected um from from the parents but it's not always easy because in a way or another what you're sharing with us is that that wasn't really your call 
I'm aware that you, you have a master's degree in education um, from one of the New York colleges. Um, and of course, mm -hmm. you're still educating others in, in what you're doing today. But uh, talking about your narcissistic uh, parent was very refreshing. And I'd love to ex expand a little bit on that, if possible, because mm -hmm. I know you come, you are a descendant of, of the Kabbalist rabbis in your ancestry. Right. You have people that have always educated and have always been initiated in the Kabbalah and and mm -hmm. they have followed the teachings and the tradition. Um, yeah. And I, I'd love to find out what is Kabbalah telling us about happiness and then we'll see how we bring it back to us and our own experience. Okay. So happiness is really a choice. The word for happiness in Hebrew is besimcha. Besimcha is also the same letters as b'machshava, which means with, with choice, with mind, with choice. So within the word itself of besimcha, the Hebrew language is very exact. And according to our spiritual traditions and Kabbalah, really the world was created with the frequency, with the energy of the Hebrew language. And so the language is extremely precise. And when it says that besimcha with joy... It's the same letters as with mind or with choice. It's a huge lesson right there of what joy really is. And it really is all there because a person could have a million dollars in front of them right now and be miserable because the waitress did not serve exactly the perfect uh, pancake you know, in the morning and is frustrated with, the, you know, with the, with the uh, uh, room service and the pool isn't exactly, you know, the, the way they, they love it. What is really bad? It's my perspective of what is happening. It's not that something is bad. It's how do I look at it? So you have the same, you have a person who has a dollar in their pocket. And they choose to see the world in the bright side. That's simcha. That's joy. And, and in the and in the um, writings of Kabbalah, when we think about it, tell, it's telling us that when we think about it, we as humans are comprised of opposites. We have a soul, and we have a body. We have, you know, we have a Kabbalah calls it the will to give. Within ourselves, the way that we're godly is that when we use our altruistic sense, and it's almost seeing the cup half full. And then we also have our animal soul, which is called the ego. Freud called it later on the ego, and there's many other names for it. But essentially, Kabbalah calls it the will to receive for the self. These two are us. These two are what is going on within us all the time. It's like a conflict between these two different tendencies within us. Constantly. And 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 it's not like one day you're gonna get over it and that's it. You receive a degree for getting over this trauma. Yeah. <laughs> this right Oh, I got the degree. Oh, and then and then you're like, oh yes, I did it well. And then it comes back again, and it and you're like, where was I? I didn't I didn't even know what 
what happened to me because he didn't agree that this is this is the this is the reality. The reality is that we've got this incessant mind that's always going, and then we have that that is always worried about something, about something in the past, and is sad about that, or something in the future, and is anxious by it, and it can't live in the present. And living in the presence is the choice that one makes through humility, in fact. So there's being happy is not like, oh, he's entitled to be happy or they've, they're actually humbled to the fact that, you know, I don't have to say that this needs to be this way right now at this moment. And therefore you can't be happy because it's never going to fully go in your way. That very much experience expanded on an extreme is narcissism basically um and then when there's no communication between the two which is basically the communication that we do when we have the spiritual practice of studying of learning that we do and praying and meditating and then the actions are the positive actions the actions of charity, the actions of helping, the, even the actions of smiling at someone, even though you don't want to smile at someone, you do smile at them. So the act, the act of positivity is really the result of a, of a humbling that now takes on a higher perspective. But as that becomes nature, and it could become nature, and that's actually what we work on, you know, we want to, we want to have these type of experiences more often and very often Then what happens is it doesn't bring in, in something far into us. It brings in that part of ourselves that's dormant. That's, that's sometimes we don't realize, and that's our godly soul. So the, the idea is that we've got this amazing potential godly soul and Yet we say, you know, no, it's this, you know, challenge and material pressure and and anxiety and 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 except that we all work through. But a big part of the of the Kabbalah, we could say, therapeutic or healing modality, is the recognition of the godly soul as a as a as a as a holistic therapist for the person because then they're connecting to their soul they're connecting to their essence essentially to their godly self they're connecting to their soul and that's huge so mommy hi are we allowed to maybe say that the godly soul is what we call the true self what goes beyond this false sense of identity are we allowed to maybe uh, translate uh, some of the terms that you mentioned from kabbalah like the godly soul into uh, the true self which is the real you the real person not the persona that 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 social persona that you take out in the world that false sense of identity that you have about yourself which is the program mind because i think when you talk about 
mind and what goes beyond it, your true self, which is not necessarily being in the mind, but being present to the true nature of your reality, is not different to what I do in my therapy work as a psychologist. When I differentiate between what's happening here in the mind and what else is there, because we need to transcend the mind to move towards the true self, isn't it? Otherwise, yeah, exactly. we just stay into a little program in, into what others instilled in us. So are you talking about the true self? So I, I would like to clarify on that because it's, it's, uh, it's a very fine point. Because the truth is that our um, we've got two parts of ourselves. We've got the godly soul and what we call the animal soul. Or we could call that the ego. Now, it's not that that our true self necessarily is the soul. It's part of our true self. But for the true self, for that part of ourselves, it could have remained up in heaven. It wasn't sent down into this world to be put within a body in order to contend with it and in order to what we call, um, you know, clarify it. So let me just explain, you know, there's, um, there's one of the great uh, uh, works in, in, in Hasidic philosophy and in Kabbalah is called the book of Tanya written by Rabbi Shneur Zalman of Liadi um, in 1798. Um, it's a monumental work that really precedes its time in terms of understanding the inner makeup and psychology of, of a person and, uh, and in this work, um, uh, he's called the Alter Rebbe, uh, says that um, we've got these two polar parts of ourselves. The idea is that both of them are meant to assume something which is greater than the two, than, than each of the halves, meaning that when you look at it from the perspective of the we could call it the godly soul, that could be not a certain reality because we're here in this very physical material world. And if you look at it from the perspective of the body, then it's like, well, why am I here? Like, is this just like to, to eat, drink, to have fun? And why should I have a spiritual experience? Like if I'm just, if, you know, why should I even work on myself? Why should I even try to heal myself? Because, Anyways, it's like futile, you know, what, what, what's that What's that idea? So the Tanya explains that, no, the two of them come together, that the godly soul and the animal soul are actually working in tandem to create something which is so amazing, which is really in the, in the writings of, of Kabbalah, the purpose of creation is that God created man for the sake of, now the Zohar says, this is one of the most important Kabbalistic works, that God wants to be manifested within this within this world, within this lower world. And to become manifested within this lower world means that the body is not just secondary, number two, the body is a vehicle to, to actually... Um, reveal that so the true self is actually some is actually the divine that's actually the godly which is beyond even the godly soul 
because the god the godly soul in it of herself is amazing she's beautiful she's she's you know she's there in paradise but she's sent down into this world to now work with and to have a relationship with her body and with that with her materialism and with her challenges and with her epigenetics right yes so that kind of is is now giving to us a different perspective of what the true self is the true self is a version of ourselves that we have actively worked on and are working on mm -hmm. amazing so shall we then say that maybe we are in joy when we operate from our godly soul and then we are in pain and misery when we find ourselves living in the animal soul yes and i think that uh the voice of the godly soul is not so loud because it feels much better to eat like 10 slices of pizza than than to say you know you're actually going to have a salad you know because that's good for you but that, that little voice is not so such a loud voice but the animals soul voice is like give me that pizza they're you know it's it's a it's a it, it's a habit it's an addiction on sexual yeah yeah sexual you will yeah. grab whatever it is mm -hmm. you're you'll right away do it because like your body has been trained for it now the godly soul has to come and this is the third part of it which is called the tanya calls it the intellectual mind there's the godly soul there's the animal soul and then there's called the intellectual soul intellectual soul is the space between that is observing when you and that's can, making the, when is making the choice uh -huh. that is making the choice and this was spoken about in the tanya there again in the seven late 1700s before victor frankel really brought that into the forefront of choice and he was of course a jewish psychiatrist that that really brought that to, to light and in fact um he was going to give up on his work where the descendant of the tanya right the lubavitcher rabbi actually sent to vienna to 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 meet uh, uh to uh, people so that franco would continue this work because the power of choice has ab absolutely revolutionized the whole behave behavioral psychology world cognitive behavioral because it's understanding that there's a godly soul and there's an animal soul, but then there's an intellectual soul. And within that space it are the choices that I make. Choices that I make to be happy, choices that I make to be easy. And that's where all the work really is. Because it's our it's our animal soul that's just jumping in, is like instant instinct, you know? And then that part is doesn't know what to do but sometimes there is the instinct that just needs to happen it's not like that mind is always in control because life happens all the time so we're we're swept up in our in our both sides of ourselves you know if you have a if you have spiritual practices that's amazing but that could also be an instinctual thing you're praying because you did it yesterday you're doing something because yes. you're you know it's the same thing Absolutely. but but then but then how 
and how often and how organically it happens and how much that becomes a part of ourselves that we're able to like reorient ourselves and be look again and assess and to look at ourselves in a, in a different way. In, in Judaism, we have this one day a week. It's called Shabbat. It's a beautiful day of the week where we take a whole day where the phones are off. Um, you know, there's no, you know, active cooking or necessarily traveling. You're in your, you're in your place within that one day of the week. It's amazing. You're able to shift your perspective. Get back in touch with yourself. Yes. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. So yeah. what is your relationship with happiness now? And what's your relationship with now with your godly soul and, and your animal soul? And how much can you exercise your choice now after so many years of inner work and studies and, and you know, exploring the Kabbalah and everything else? I, I wanted to ask if you've always been happy, but you've already shared that you have a um, maybe a difficult relationship with your father uh, who's working in mental health himself, but mm -hmm. you mentioned that he doesn't see it in a way, so you are spiritually awakened. Um, perhaps he's not. And I have this view that in every family, maybe I'm wrong, but this is what's happening with me right now in this stage of my life. I have this perspective that in every family someone is born to properly awaken and heal themselves and heal the ancestry, heal the transgenerational trauma, work on, on everyone's pain and suffering because it's always yeah. you know passed uh, on to the next generation. So what is your relationship with happiness? What has been and what is right now your relationship with happiness? Well, um, you know, you said a lot there and uh yeah. I, I i think that uh um but to answer you know I, listen i actually more than ever now i i am actually very happy uh, with with the with this parts of myself which i recognize are not like this nothing no nothing is perfect and no one is perfect and life again is is a continuous journey of of work but that takes time because when you realize that you know you think that happiness is going to come from here from this person from this place it's going to come from there and for so much of your life you're actually thinking that but the real reason is because you're not looking deeper enough but then you do look deep enough and you're like well then i think everything should be all the time this way and it's being the perfectionist and you know it's almost like it needs to be but then you it's not all the time that way and that that leads to deep you know um uh if it's sadness or if it's or if, or if it's or if it's disappointment that you have in yourself mostly you know being a you know perfectionist um but then it's the steadiness, the constant belief in something that really is good. And I feel like I got a lot of that from my, from my grandfather. Um, and I think like naturally um, I have a very, I have a very positive side. That's, that's naturally, although it feels a lot, like I definitely deeply feel 
But then I also have a, a very easygoing and like sort of like just let me give up the the need to be in control, and that's that's tremendous. Um, so these two these two parts right of 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 the self are um, are what it takes time to actually get get in touch with you know really. Um, so what I, what I meant before, how, you know, being now and, you know, happiness, I think, um, I think I'm very happy. Thank God. Like really, like, even though around me life, you know, things are not like everything is not, you know, I have whatever it is and, and yet there's so many positive things. And so I'm aware of more of the thinking that the ship is going to go this way and it's going to like. But realize I, I I am anchored and I choose to be anchored in something bigger and more than my fears are. And I think that that is really a tremendous choice and a tremendous like anchor for happiness. You know, when one we call this in Hebrew, it's called bitachon, which means trust. And you have trust in the creator. And you have trust. One of the great rabbis said, just as you have trust in the creator, you have to have trust in yourself. And so just like you believe in God, you have to know that God believes in you. And actually the first prayer that we say in the morning, um, it's a short meditation. When we just rise, we say, I, I acknowledge you that you have given to me this soul with with your great belief in me so to think that god believes in me is amazing it's tremendous so that's an anchor and having that trust is an anchor so um yeah cult you know cultivating emuna we call trust and belief in god right in the creator one creator that right is we 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 know that we say in kabbalah there's nothing else but him there's nothing else but the creator in other words everything really is good in its perspective that perspective and it's our way of seeing it of choosing to see it like opening up our eyes to try to see it you know as opposed to being like anxious by the next like situation that's coming that or whoa you know from the past this person did that and therefore i'm going to be triggered like that like to be aware of it that deep depth of awareness is really where it's all at and when you have awareness you actually are happy even though you're even though you're aware that you're you know you, you are not perfect like you have done things and you know and said things and you know whatever it but i'm still i'm in the game i'm in i'm in the i'm in the like i'm aware that there is a that there's a battle again you know what the altar i'll be saying the two i know that this is the game like i'm not saying i'm not thinking oh i should be there i should be that like this is normal like actually it's normal oh it's normal oh cool i'm happy actually but yeah yeah <laughs> you accept what is in a way it's a surrender yeah, something greater exactly. than you and i feel amihai that 
in a way what you're talking about is not about pursuing happiness per se but it's about embracing it by by being present by being here in the now and when you embrace life fully then with the hardship and sometimes the adversity and the pain then yeah that's what joy is really it's about being here accepting it yeah. i think yeah. you need you need to to really be in the now and, and accept it, what happens because if you fight it um or if you allow the fear to 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 overwhelm you there will be less joy or no joy i want to say one more point on that yes, yes. Uh, um it says by the ariza the, the greatest capitalist in the last thousand years lived in this town of Tzfat. Um, he said as follows, um, he reached all of his great levels that he was on in, in, in holiness, in great spiritual levels um, through, through joy, because of joy. The joy of a mitzvah, to be the, 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 the joy of understanding what one does something that is a positive a good deed or something positive that one does very often we don't realize the positive things that we do because we automatically think think about what we didn't do mm, and how means- bad we didn't do and how bad we are because we didn't do those things yes and so automatically there's that negative voice which is just there but what if we could say like but you did do um this positive thing today you did listen to this you know self-help you know kind of um class right you did take this positive thing in your life to do you know you were you perfect no but you did that and that that and so the Ari was saying he reaches joy, you know, great levels of, of holiness because he allowed himself to actually embrace the positive so much and and let go of the of the negative. Mm-hmm. It's the power of gratitude and appreciation for life, really, not looking at what's missing and the shortcomings, but appreciating what what's good. Uh, Amihai, that sounds amazing. So uh, the way you talk about Kabbalah and even Tzvat, I've never been that north in Israel. I visited, um, but only up to Kinneret and Haifa. But it's a beautiful town. Yeah, I imagine it is. I, I've read a little bit about it, and I see it behind uh, behind your back, you know, uh, on the screen. It looks amazing. It's at 900 meters is in altitude, the, the highest in yeah. Israel and Galilee. Very beautiful. Yeah. Um, you're making me very interested and curious. To place. <laughs> yeah, we and have also- we have actually we have actually an online uh, tour, virtual tour of Tzfat, and it just takes people around, um, like the, you know the the different places of it, and uh, it's a very fascinating town. Our you know historically two thousand years of history. It's mystical giants lived here. Um, and yeah, and it's a, mm-hmm. it's a special energy where the whole concept of what we call tikkun olam, the fixing of the world, actually the whole concept of there's something that we could globally do together actually came from Tzfat. Really? Oh, that sounds amazing. 
The city yeah. of Kabbalah. Yeah, very interesting. I'm, I'm hoping to, to get there at some point and maybe learn a bit more about Kabbalah because it sounds very similar to the work I'm doing as a psychologist and therapist. Yeah. Obviously, a, a transpersonal one, not the typical one that, that follows just the science, but is willing to transcend you know, any kind of knowledge that we had and maybe be in the now with a person and with myself yeah. as a human being. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. So now we've looked into what Kabbalah says about happiness, what happiness, what your relationship with happiness has been. Um, shall maybe, shall we talk now a little bit about how you got interested in transgenerational trauma um, and uh, what kind of work you're doing right now? Well, transgenerational trauma, I think, is something that I felt as as uh as a young someone who's younger when i was you know and um and i realized that this dynamic certain dynamic that was going on in my family from father to son um is something that is very um it's deeper than it meets the eye you know it's not something that you could just you know flip or even choose you know you just it's something very, very uh, deep, and um, and you know, I was doing some work with 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 someone, and you know, we we kind of realized that that you know, it goes back many generations, about you know, seventeen generations in a certain dynamic, and um, it had to do with their travels, and again. Uh, they came from Spain and then they went to Morocco, my, you know, my, my lineage, you know, that's, that's where they, but in terms of, you know, Jewish people per se, you know, there was a lot of leaving countries, forced to leave countries. And, um, and a lot of things that were, that were, that were given over that in a sense, um, you know, there is, there's a lot of, there's a lot of healing um, that, that is going on there. But at the same time, I think it's very much helping uh, put a certain emphasis on what that looks like to the world, you know, in the world, because as, as a larger community in different backgrounds in different countries and nationalities and, and what, and whatnot, each, each one went through their particular you know, uh, trauma, basically. Yes. Um, you know, we had it, the Jewish people had it, you know, in, in, in a way that's, that's very, um, very extreme based, you know, and, uh, and therefore like the, like the healing that happens that needs to happen is really a healing for the whole world in a sense. It is because we had so many communities that have been affected by by uh, terrible hardship. I would say the Jews, the Blacks, the native populations in Australia, in America, and mm -hmm. so on. And everyone suffered. I mean, large communities of people have suffered a lot. And they are, especially with Jewish, I think it's very recent, isn't it? With the Holocaust, it's not as yeah. far back, like hundreds of years, hundreds of years or so. And some of some of 
the people that have suffered are still alive, like Eddie Eager or, you know, other people yeah. um, that are still sharing their stories. And yeah. they've been our grandparents and grand-grandparents. I mean, it's so recent. It's it's right here. And we all read about it. We, uh, we teach people in the history books about it. And we're trying to change the... the, the the perception on on now, what it means yeah, to yeah. to to engage with someone different because i think all yeah. all all these disadvantaged communities have suffered because they have been perceived as different by others and they have been taken advantage yeah. of or marginalized or socialized or whatever um so yeah. we all leave this kind of pain it's our pain even if some some of us are not Jews or black or whatever type of community you want to name. I think we definitely belong to the other people that maybe have wronged them, have wronged those communities. So our ancestors have been somewhere. Either the the, the one that has hurt or the one that was hurt. At the same at the same time, the people that really yeah. hurt are themselves hurt, the most yes. hurt. Yes, absolutely. Well, some of us maybe come from both. I mean, we have ancestors. The world has always moved and shifted and traveled, people traveled. So we are here now. We know there is pain, pain that has traveled through generations. I'll say say something about that capitalistically. You know, we all go back. We're called children of Adam. And Adam had two sons, Cain and Abel. And, you know, and that conflict... Over there in the beginning, you know, where Cain, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, um, killed, really killed Abel, right? His brother. We have from there, Kabbalah explains there's the reincarnations of these dynamics, of these energies. And um, we are here in this world to heal that and to go back to a level to become aware of the bad side exactly. and to choose to act from a good point, exactly. from a good place within ourselves. Because exactly. we have exactly. them both. To be a unified Adam, to be okay. a unified as a unified one, Adam. you know. Like a exactly. global global movement where we awaken gradually and exactly. we understand that we're not as different as we think we are. Exactly. We're more similar and we have a common goal exactly we're just human beings exactly and that's that's the beautiful picture of 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 really of uh you know of these prophecies that were said here in this land you know by isaiah and by you know jeremiah and all these prophecies of of world peace of really being unified through through the spiritual amazing edifice that 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 is in jerusalem right the, the third temple which is a temple for all nations you know and that that notion of redemption of what we call geula right mashiach is this idea that the whole world is really meant to have an awareness and to have a a, a godly consciousness that's why god created the world so you could dwell within Every part of us, the entire humanity, and all the all the levels, all the spheres of uh, of existence, right, uh, permeate that you know that 
that unity, that that oneness. So beautiful. So if if transgenerational trauma then is all the evil that has been in the human history, and it's still part of us because naturally, through any perspective we look at this, whether it's epigenetics and we understand that the genes are being transmitted from one generation to the other, or it's quantum physics and we talk through about the energies that are shifting and moving and continuing to to be there, or any any kind of evolutionary uh, memory. Through any perspective we look at this, then the, the evil that is in us, that has been in our ancestors, continues to come into us because that's how we've learned to to be. How is then transgenerational trauma in the modern world impacting our lives? What do you see? What have you learned from your teachings, from your work that you're doing at the Leave Kabbalah at your school? So everything comes down to exactly what we've been talking about and what you do, right? As you know, and uh, you know the type of of consciousness out there. It comes down to healing. It comes down to we could heal. So yes, that could be a very stressful, intense kind of a thought. And I may even, you know, we may even have these kind of uh, feelings very much, right? But when we choose to, to change, and this we call teshuva, we call it like literally repentance. When somebody makes a mistake, and they say, I'm not going to go back to it. Actually, in, in you know, we consider what is repentance is not like, oh, I'm sorry. And then you do it again. That's right. not called repentance. No. That because, you know, but it says there's, there's two conditions. One is you say, you say the sorry. And the second one is you're not going to do it again. You change inside. You transform as a person because you've understood yes. the impact of your wrongdoing. Exactly. Right. And I'm not going to do it again. Now, you may, you know, it may naturally, whatever, something happen. And, but then you do, you do tshuva. And that's you called choose. return. Mm-hmm. You choose. You choose. So you need, you, you need choose. to be spiritually awakened for this, isn't it? Otherwise, exactly. you're going to repeat that over and over exactly. again. Exactly. And actually, the word for Shabbat, and this is a beautiful idea, is the letters tashuv. It's the same letters spelled backwards shabbat is like this restful day that we said like gives gives us yes. the time of perspective but it also means the return in other words it, it doesn't have to be a crazy intense experience it could be a beautiful experience and it should be on the level of pleasure that we're even choosing to change and um and so that's the letters for repentance is actually the letters for the Sabbath of, of even resting because you, because when you change your, you know, you are, you're coming to a, a greater place of, of, uh, of, of forgiveness. And we, you know, there's, there's the teachings that when, you know, when somebody really uh, comes back and makes mistakes, they're actually on a higher level than even the perfectly righteous person. Because this is called the master of tshuva, somebody that constantly um, is human. Again, these two sides, falls, 
but they come back again. They fall. The transgenerational stuff is like, I can't change. And that's, that's where the kids are very much like, what are you talking about? Yes, you can. I'm, you have this conflict between the generations over there, but then the kid himself is also, well, why am I acting like my father in this way? I told him I'm going to be completely different. I'm still program that way of like, well, maybe that next generation is going to really have it like more clear. Or maybe that generation that's making the choice is really almost like the um, the great ambassadors. And in a sense, you know, that that choice is is tremendously powerful because it says that at the end of days, everyone is going to be doing this kind of shuva, what we call work. Everyone, have to. You have corona, like you have like, you know, you're in... You can't pretend that everything is 100% fine. No, you're checking inside. And this is why we believe, you know, the, that we had this, this pandemic. It wasn't a chance. Like God wants us to really look inside and to really change. And Corona actually in Hebrew comes from the, um, comes from the idea of the crown. There's like almost like a very deep reason of facing our deepest fears of mortality, basically. Um, you know, and you see people that everything came out. I mean, you know, you know, and everything came out. And it, and by so many people, everything came out. And it's a blessing because now we get to do tshuva. We, we, we bring it all out. We face it. And it doesn't always look pretty. No. And yet, Amihai, some people don't get it and they don't awaken and they don't believe they have an issue and they don't want to look within themselves and they don't want to consider the others. You mentioned about narcissism earlier on. And they just Mm -hmm. believe they are right and there's no other reality than theirs. And they they believe that they own the whole truth, isn't it? Some of them, yeah. unfortunately. Is this, in the Kabbalah, is this something natural when both energies need to be together, like the evil and the goodness? They need to dance together, otherwise one will dissolve without the other. I'm not sure, I've never, I'm not initiating yeah. this. Is, is there anything around this, like the balancing so, energies? So the thing is like this, like, we we believe that there's two things. Actually, everything that one sees is actually a mirror. So when you see something in someone else, it means that really there's something like that in you. Right. On some level. Doesn't mean no, it's like, not exactly like you, but on some level, you saw that thing on a certain level. That's That's A. But B... There are people that are legitimately, it's, you know, we could say unconscious, right? And um, can we make them work? Can we help people awaken? What do you think? Right. So, So that's the thing. We just have to continue to do what we have to do and have faith. King David says, have 
yearn for God, yearn, keep, continue doing work. Um, be strong, chazak and be courageous, and then continue to yearn. That's what King David says, right? And, and, um, and uh, meaning that all we could do is just basically have this. You know, we're doing what we what what we believe is is the truth, right? And what we need to do, and we and that's 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 everything we have control over. Yes. You don't have control over. Yeah. Yet, you know, the kind of work that 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 we are doing that that you know the kind of work of really putting out um goodness and positivity in the world and giving people the option of having something authentic and deep and meaningful transform transformative is what we could do because that yeah. comes from from the side of positivity it's never from the side of like oh no you know you need to be this way you need to do that it's like that's already contradicting it's itself because it, it doesn't work that way yeah so trusting in god that god is gonna bring about this person's journey in their way they're gonna whenever it's going to happen but it for sure it's going to happen we don't know when we don't have control over that fair enough so we still do our work irrespective of how others react to our work to us or how they respond to it so how do we heal then i mean transgenerational trauma because we have exactly. these people surrounding us sometimes they are part of our family like you mentioned or they are you know workmates they are people that we see every day and they are hurting yeah, us yeah. so maybe they i don't know they rub us the wrong way as we say it in england <laughs> so how do we yeah, heal yeah. this transgenerational trauma <clears throat> so we have to learn the balance of sometimes not speaking to someone the balance of distance of borders in kabbalah we have what we call the spherot which are the seven shock we almost like spheres they're chakras and each one of them has a dimension so there's a dimension of fixed chesed, of giving, benevolence. In fact, my, my wife is giving like a whole course on this in um, on Live Kabbalah, on the whole dynamics of the emotions. So you have someone that is rubbing you in the chesed sphere and, and wants things from you. It means that your own level of giving is a little bit not balanced and you need to learn how to balance that. And Gavura is the other side. It's the it's the it's it's actually the balance that sometimes you need to say to the person, I am not going to answer your call. You know, I am not going to, you know, I will not be spoken to that way. Setting boundaries. And setting boundaries and walking away. That's Gavura. Forever. And so is this a way of healing yourself? Shall we do this sure. forever? Or just temporary until we have the time to renegotiate our positions and re-engage. It, it, it may it may be forever. Forever. It may it may be forever, but it, that's that's not something that is out of the ordinary. And maybe thinking that I thought that I wouldn't have this, and my I'm only letting myself down with, by having an imaginatory like this is the way that it was supposed to be. And well, no, this is just the reality of what it is. And so 
And so um, um, learning those borders are tremendously important because you have to protect yourself because you're, you know, that, that child or that heal, that process is, is, is continuously um, happening. And unless you know how to put the borders. What right? is and then also, well, it's, um, it's really tending to yourself. Mm-hmm. And tending to, your, for, to yourself means like, for me, what really much is, is a necessity is time in nature, you know, and having these hours that, that I could spend in, you know, in the forest. So I could say, well, it's not productive. And it's like, I got to be doing this. You have to be, you know, you're no, if, if I don't get this or I don't swim once a week, or I don't like walk or, or eat right, then there's no healing. How could I do anything? Mm. There's no healing. Exactly. You know, when I don't have time for my own learning, for my own, you know, spiritual practice, and I'm always teaching. So that's all, that's not a, that's not a healthy, that's not a healthy balance. Um, But if I'm only looking inwards and only thinking about myself and I'm not, you know, doing what I need to be doing, that's also not the healthy balance. So it's... um, it it's it's understanding what you what are the th- things that you need but then okay you need them but you also need to face your fears you you need to face the the darkness and it's not not a fun experience all the time most times <laughs> it's not that's the bumpy ride we take in our journey isn't it sometimes but it's necessary it's part of the the joy of life and enlightenment, we call it. Oh, just opening your eyes, removing your masks, removing your veils and seeing clearer. And I think it's better yeah. that way than remaining in the darkness, in the tunnels, I feel. I mean, I yes, exactly, exactly, for sure. So such an interesting conversation with you, Amihai. I absolutely love it. I wish I, we could stay longer, um, but we are yes. approaching the end of this podcast. So let's yes. find out from you now, from all your learnings, studying Kabbalah and having this beautiful ancestry with its good good parts, uh, obviously, that have inspired Very good you. Parts. Yes, that okay. have inspired you and have guided you through life. What are your yes. best? three teachings for people that maybe have not been initiating the Kabbalah, but obviously they understand what we're talking about here. What can people do to improve their lives, to live happy and meaningful and fulfilling lives? Okay, so um, I would say um, Aleph, Bet, Gimel, like, right, A, B, and C. So the first one is Aleph is Emuna, faith, realizing that to cultivate that level of faith within you, faith in yourself, you know, that you have what it takes, you know, to have that, 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 that trust. So that's the first one. Uh, the second one is bitachon. Bitachon is trust. The first one is, is belief, belief in yourself and your potential. The second one is the trust that 
things are going to work out. Having that inner trust. And the third one is Gimel, which is Geula, which is redemption, is the ability to see things in the redemptive way, in the positive way, to see things on the way of the enlightened way. So the power of choice, really for us to be able to um, step into our, you know, greatness, you know, or, you know, that ability to step into what we call Geula, into the redemptive part of myself and redemption um, is the third. That's wonderful. So believe in yourself, then uh, trust that there is a, a creator there that will work out things the way it has to, and then exercise your choice and learn about yourself, learn from your mistakes, transform and change and become a better person each day. Thank you so much, Amihai. I, I really value your time and your teachings and your wisdom. Where can people find out more about you if they want to engage with your classes, maybe? Um, with leave yeah, for sure. So we've got an amazing um, array of, of classes, over 200 classes and um, and uh, semesters that that we're that we're doing we're now doing the, f the fusion of the physical and the spiritual we're now we had uh kabbalah and astrology now course that we're finishing up we're doing actually going into psychedelics and judaism we're exploring that world that healing world um yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting each of them have um guest uh, uh special guest teachers and then we're doing healing through prayer and then we're doing a uh, somatic healing. Uh, what is somatic healing in Kabbalah? And then healthy eating. And so they're really fascinating. And we have an array of people, um, really from from the world, that uh, that are coming on. And uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of uh, great experience. So wonderful. So livekabbalah.com. Livekabbalah.com. Dot com. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you so much for everything. I really My appreciate pleasure. your time. All the best. Many, many thanks. My pleasure. Blessings. <laughs>